Guys, she's back. My girl Daniela is back again with us this week, and we are about to talk about some miracles, like real deal, blow your mind, miracles. So if you missed part one, cruise on back and check out that episode and then come back and join us while we talk about Daniela and her dad, one of my favorite people to ever live. So let's get to my girl, Daniela. Before we get to the stories, I have to tell you about my favorite thing that I pair with my coffee, and that is the Grab the Gold Bar. Russ and I have been buying these for years, and they're hands down our favorite snack to pair with coffee. It's perfectly sweet and filling without giving you a sugar crash like a donut or a muffin. So Grab the Gold snack bars are packed with protein and fiber that keep you full and fueled for your day. Once you try these, you'll forget about all the other snacks and junk food you used to eat. Plus, you'll feel even better knowing you're supporting a woman-owned small business here in Nashville. It gives back to the community, and for over 30 years, they've helped millions grab the gold with products that are made from wholesome ingredients. When I was a new mom and feeding all around the clock, these were my go-to, and no surprise, Remy is obsessed with them now, too. The gold lets you know you have what it takes to win because we all need victories every single day. So next time you're enjoying a cup of coffee, remember to grab the gold in your life and go win the day. You deserve a treat that won't let you down. So right now you can use code CWK for 20% off your first order online with Grab the Gold Snack Bars at grabthegold.com. Trust me when I say you'll want to try both of their flavors. The chocolate peanut butter is my personal favorite, but the peanut butter and jelly is also yummy too. Again, use CWK for 20% off your first order at grabthegold.com. Now to my girl, Daniela. I really can't wait to tell all your dad's stories on this episode. But before we get there, I think the prosperity gospel can be very healing as this and it's mm. going to happen or it's not. Like, take me through. The name it, claim it. Name it, claim it. Movement, vibe. yeah how you coped with that with your mom yeah and then how that's kind of been like reassessed now with your dad like for someone because i know you and i know Mm -hmm. how much you believe in the gifts of the spirit and your dad is and you are the reason you were my entry into understanding all the and weird learning stuff. about Holy Spirit and the weird stuff and the most incredible stuff I started stuff out I've as the seen. weirdest friend and now I'm like the least weird. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, y'all are all Yeah, like running. you would tell me these stories and your dad would tell me these stories and I'm like, how is that still happening? Like we describe your dad as a modern day Paul. Yeah. And that void is really deep for all of us as a friend group because he was such a spiritual leader to all of us. Mm-hmm. But I know you believe all those things and still, still on the other side of this, mm-hmm. believe all those things. Yeah, it's interesting. So I would say I processed a lot of these hard questions in the years after my mom died. And to be honest, like a lot of them don't have answers still. Mm. And I think I've just learned to live in the tension of that. But I would say because it took me so long to process the loss with my mom, years really, a lot of that trauma came up probably seven years after she died, maybe eight. And that's when I started to really have to look at my faith and all the ways it did not make sense. Mm. And I essentially like started what people would call now a deconstruction. It's, you know, trendy in a way, but I I think a lot of- I feel of like the, y'all did it before it was trendy. Yeah, we, <laughs> we did it before it was cool. Uh, but really, I think- a lot of the kids that grew up in the 90s church were all kind of, the, we were all destined for this time mm. when we all start to look at 
what we were raised with, what do we want to carry on? What are the things we were taught that are not true? Mm-hmm. Things that I was taught were in the Bible that are not, <laughs> things like that. And also looking at our faults, looking at where the church has gone wrong, where it's treated people poorly. So I know a lot of people are kind of like scared of the whole deconstruction thing. I'm really not. I think it's important and I think it was bound to happen because mm. I think the church needs to change and it is changing. We're seeing it and feeling it. And I think it's, I'm really excited as a Christian. For me, I had to start looking at all these things I was raised with. So I was raised to believe in healing and, you know, miracles. And I saw a lot of crazy things growing up that I can't explain without some sort of higher power involvement, truly. Yeah. And so I definitely went through a lot. I had a very interesting thing pop up where I had a pretty severe body anxiety, like health anxiety. So where I would think every week that I was dying of something different. So one week I was like, I for sure have breast cancer. Mm-hmm. I remember and, this season. Yes, you do. I remember I went to like my doctor to get my gynecologist to get checked. And she was like, so you're not allowed to do self-exams. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> okay. And so there was this time where essentially like every other week I was like, I'm for sure of an aneurysm. I for sure like have, you know, and so... I finally tuned into the fact that this is my fear and my trauma coming up because my mom died of cancer and that fear that it will happen to me is surfacing in all these ways. And so then I had to really look at myself and say, all right, what do I believe about God? Let's say I do have cancer. Let's say I am dying of cancer. Let's say I do have an aneurysm. And it's funny, like my personality, I kind of have to go to worst case scenario and then I work my way back up. And that's how I like overcome my anxiety. I'm like, okay, what if the thing I'm afraid of does happen? Mm -hmm. What will I do? What do I think about God even then? And so I really had to process, like, I do believe in healing. She had cancer twice. She was miraculously healed the first time and not the second time. And then you just have to look at the tension and zoom out a little bit and say like, well, we say that as Christians, we believe in heaven, right? We believe in this place that we go after we die, which is kind of an insane thing to say if you really think about it. (laughs) Yeah. The most incredible miracle that you could imagine is that we all actually don't die and we go to another place that is better than this one with ultimate healing, ultimate restoration, ultimate health. That is truly the craziest miracle you could fathom. Yeah. So when I started processing all these things, I was like, well, if I really believe that place exists, then I'm so happy for her that she's there. Yeah. And then you go through it all again with my dad. And I kept having to like remind myself, like I'm happy for him. Mm -hmm. I'm just sad for myself. You know, do I wish that he would have been healed and made it through and stayed earthside 100%. But I will say, like, with every person that has died in my life, I feel closer to eternity. I feel more tethered to eternity. Mm-hmm. And my perspective changes that our time on this earth is so small. Mm-hmm. So as much as I don't, I don't wish loss on my worst enemy, there is like this depth that comes with it and it's a perspective change. I live my life differently. Like one of the reasons I don't hold grudges. Right. Because I unfortunately live 
with the reality that you could die tomorrow, that I could die tomorrow. Any of us could die tomorrow. And it just, it changes your perspective. Like I live eternally. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm not here to sit around like mad at somebody for something that they said, or like, I'm not going to treat people poorly because of like, I am in a bad mood. Like to me, like bad moods, like don't exist to me. Yeah. I'm like, there, there are so many higher, bigger things at play here. Our time on this earth is so short. Like, how are you going to live? Are you going to live with grudges? Are you going to live with bitterness? Are you going to live with hostility and hatred and division? Like, no, that's a, just it's just a terrible way to spend yeah. like what is the equivalent of a minute right. in eternity. So as much as I do believe in healing, I've seen it happen. I pray over myself and my people, and I believe that things can absolutely change earth side, mm -hmm. but it just feels so temporary to me, all of it. I had this revelation the other day. I was talking to someone and I was thinking about you actually. We were talking about heaven and I was like, because truth be told, I've never expected to sit to watch someone sit up in their hospital bed like I did when we lost your dad, you yeah. know, and I'll lose it too. It's fine. We're all going to cry on this episode. Apparently I, you do bring that out. Yeah, <laughs> apparently myself. Well, you bring it out of me. So um, I just remember watching all the numbers go down to zero. Yeah. And as it was happening, I was like, okay, well, it needs to hit zero and he needs to see Jesus because he's been wanting to for a while. And he's going to be like, I'm sending you back. Mm -hmm. You know, and when that didn't happen and when we tell some of his like epic stories, you'll understand why I felt like that. But we both were like, well, of course, like he saw Jesus and your mom, like there is no turning back. Yeah. But what if heaven, I mean, heaven's not bound by time. So what if he saw you too? Yeah. I mean, you and Christian, like, what if, what if? Yeah. You know, and it wasn't a choice of like, I'm choosing Debbie and Jesus versus mm -hmm. my kids. Like, what if he saw you too? Mm -hmm. And I had never thought that. I hadn't processed that. And I, guys, I don't know if this is biblically sound or not, but I know that we are bound by time and God is not. So I would assume right. heaven, I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I really don't know. But the loss of your dad is obviously so, so deep. And as I was sitting in the hospital because we snuck up there, by the way. Like this was Kay Kaylee is a rule <laughs> breaker, guys. Because my dad had COVID. He was in the yeah. COVID unit, and they were very strict. And <laughs> we were switching off, and I turn around, and Kaylee just walks in carrying all these coffees. I was like, "How did you get in here?" <laughs> I, and I, I straight just up lied. marched in there. No, I had actually talked. I reached out on the internet, and all of you follower folks really stepped up. I was like, "I need someone." in Vanderbilt with some, that can get us well, some and answers. One of your followers was actually on his floor yeah. in his unit. And, I and so she, her. yeah, she reached out to me on Instagram and was like, Hey, I'm praying for your dad. And so she and I still actually follow each other on Instagram message every that. once in a while. She actually messaged me a couple of days ago, just checking in. Mm -hmm. So that was very, very helpful just to be able to get updates. And cause there, you know, the, the hours were super limited of, being there and I was working on like a really big project at the time. I was working on a record. And so I was in the studio leaving to take calls with his doctors and then making like huge decisions about dialysis and like all these things and like running back in and 
it was such an insane time and having the access to people in the hospital and yeah. being able to call and get updates and was just like so helpful. Yeah. I mean, they knew like there was more than one of us out there. We had like chairs. There was you, me. I could tell they were really trying to give us like Yeah, they were giving grace. us. Yes. So shout out to our girl on the COVID floor. You know who you are. Yes. We're not going to say your name. We're not we going to get you in trouble. You in trouble. For but letting Kaylee you. in with coffee. Thank you. Coffee with Kaylee. Yes. Yeah. In all seasons. <laughs> you know, in all seasons. I'm yeah. consistent, guys. You are. You know, I've you been are. having coffee with my folks a long time. Very. So I was sitting there and um, Dr. Neil sat yeah. next to me. And preface, I had asked Bob actually to come on the podcast probably about three weeks before he got COVID. And... I think to date, my biggest regret in my entire life is letting him say no. And I called him and, you know, he'd always, hey, sweetie, hey, sweetie, what you doing? What you have to do? And um, I was like, hey, I know this is so random. I just thought of you and I really want you to come be on the podcast. I'm leaving tomorrow, but can you come over today? And he had just gotten town. He had a bunch of stuff. He was moving here. Mm -hmm. And he was like, can we do it another time? And I was like, yeah, you're about to move here. No problem. Like, we're going to have all the time in the world. And when this happened, I was like, biggest regret of my life. Hands down, to date, biggest regret of my life. Because his stories are so epic. <laughs> and Dr. Neil, who was sitting in the hospital with us, saw a lot of them firsthand. And mm -hmm. I loved sitting there with him. Being like, okay, well, and he, he was on the iPad talking to your dad. And he was like, hey, Bobby, you remember that time we were in the Amazon and Tomas? And this, and he starts telling the story I've heard Bob tell a million times. This is my party trick, which you guys are gathering now that you've heard Ben's episode. And anytime someone has a great story, instead of people sitting around and talking about the weather at a party, I'm like, Bob, tell the story about. And so I heard him tell that story. Heaven only knows how many times. But hearing Neil say the same thing pretty much. Uh -huh. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, a comparison Matthew to Luke testimony right. right like a couple things here and there were like it was the afternoon or the evening yeah a couple yeah. things overall like the same story mm -hmm. taking a quick break to let you know if you are someone with a busy schedule like me and don't have a lot of time to shop for groceries or meal prep or maybe you just don't enjoy grocery shopping altogether but still want to enjoy easy and delicious meals then you need to hop on the green chef train green chef makes cooking meals for me and my family so simple it's so convenient to have every meal pre-portioned with an easy-to-follow recipe. I spend way less time stressing and way more time enjoying delicious home-cooked meals that are restaurant quality that we all love, but in the comfort of our own home. Forget the long lines at the grocery. Green Chef will save you time meal planning, prepping, and shopping by delivering everything you need right to your door. Because Green Chef offers a wide variety of organic ingredients and sustainably sourced produce, you can feel great about what you're eating and how it got to your table, which I love as I'm conscious making other healthy choices for me and my family. My husband and I have enjoyed making the recipes from Green Chef, and we love to cook and sit around the table and share a meal together on the days that we're home. It means the world to us. So this last week, we tried Green Chef's spicy honey glazed harissa chicken and the baked penne with sausage. Both were incredible, and we're definitely going to make them again. Green Chef is a CCOF certified meal kit company and is the number one meal kit for eating well. So go to greenchef.com slash coffeewithkaylee130 and use code coffeewithkaylee130 to get $130 off plus free shipping. Now back to Daniela. I want you to share just some of your favorites, like yeah, some of your dad's legacy. Well, backstory. So essentially, my parents were pastors when I grew up. 
until the age of eight. And then they started a nonprofit organization called Missions International. And they essentially created this bridge between what I would say is, you know, people in need and people of means. So kind of creating this direct way to give that wasn't caught up in a lot of red tape and, you know, a lot of bigger nonprofits have a lot more overhead. And we were a small little organization. So like if you wanted to build an orphanage for this region, great, give the money, we'll go build it. It was very utilitarian, very scrappy. Um, And so essentially they kind of set out to fill the gaps in different communities. And we kind of existed with just people we knew. So we started out with just friends that my parents had had for a long time because they had traveled all over the world singing. Actually, they're in a singing group. They had all these different friendships all around the world. So for instance, when the tsunami hit in Southeast Asia, my dad was able to immediately transfer a bunch of money to his friend on the ground who was pastor and community leader, transfer it directly into his account. So there was a this way of really direct support. And there wasn't this like saviorism thing with it. It was really just like, hey, these are our friends. These are the people God's brought into our life. How can we help? What do you need? Mm -hmm. You need a hospital. You need us to bring some doctors in. You need an orphanage. You need a church. What do you need? So there's this certain period of time where my dad ended up in the Amazon a lot, which is just so funny looking back. In the moment, it felt so normal, but I look back and I'm like, it is not normal. normal. When I started at Belmont, when I'm living with other people my own age who have had very normal lives, I was like, oh, so this is my life. Growing up in Mexico. Yeah, not normal. Not normal. Just dad suddenly goes to the Amazon like real quick. Not normal. Not normal. And we wouldn't know where he was going or for how long. And like, he was a seven. So like, I feel like it just all worked. He was just so like, he and Russ see you later. So much. Um, and he was in very dangerous places. And he brought me to very dangerous places that looking back, I'm like, that wasn't, he may, might not have known how dangerous it was. But you look at the history of the moment and you're like, oh, that was during a very violent revolt happening in the area but he was just so he was just not afraid like he was like if they need aid we're bringing it Mm -hmm. you know like he would have been all up in ukraine right now just how can i help and he has tons of friends in ukraine that luckily i knew and i could like kind of get money to them because you're now the president of missions international (laughs) just that just blows my mind i'm still not okay with it but here we are here we are so I just wanted to give some context to him because yeah. I feel like a lot of people would not understand what I'm about to say if and I didn't this, give context. And this is the organization when I referenced that I worked for a missions organization doing photo, video and traveling. It was with Daniela and her dad. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So essentially, there's a lot of crazy stories from all over the world. I mean, I think he just was that kind of person. Like you just meet those people who crazy things just always happen to them. I'm not really one of those people. Like, I'm just very... I disagree. No, like, naturally, I'm like a to-do list kind of person. And I'm like, you know... Someone miraculously paid for your college every single year. Yeah, that was because of my dad, not because of me. I know, but it was a different person every time. And you had to believe it was going to happen. That's a very Bob thing. I'm (laughs) I'm hoping that I... I'm, I'm just not a risk taker, okay? In those ways. But essentially... I think some of the best stories are from the Amazon. And I think when you're in an environment where there's not a lot of options, 
God just shows up in a different way. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, we don't really need a God the same way in the U.S. in our privilege and our, you know, mm-hmm. we just have a lot of access to a lot of things. Yeah. And I think there's a difference when you are living in these remote places and you don't have access to medical care or water or these different things. Like you just, there's there's a different perspective that you have of provision. And so while my dad would really try to fill the gaps in a very physical way, bringing in medicine and farming techniques and all these different things, there were also times when he needed God to show up because he didn't have what they needed. Mm -hmm. So there's so many stories. I'm trying to figure out the best way to (laughs) share it all. But really, I mean, there's this one time that they were trying to get to this sister village, trying to bring them supplies and all, you know, minister to them. And they had a guide, but the guide was very concerned about going because it was very dangerous. But my dad was just so set. He was like, I really believe we're supposed to go to this village. Well, they get lost in the jungle. (laughs) And we're talking like deep in the jungle, like thick, cannot see your hand in front of your face. And they run out of water and their flashlights go out, which I'm like, this is when you need someone that's like, I have extra batteries. But Bob (laughs) would never think to have extra batteries, right? And literally my mom had gotten him this like hat clip light to read at night in the jungle. And that was the only thing that still had battery. I did not actually know that detail. Yes. And so he's, so they're making their way through and then, and he has, and this is the one time I think he had a moment where he was like, I might die. And that was like his first moment. He's like, what have I gotten myself into? And like kind of had a conversation with God about like dying and take care of my family and these things. And literally right after that, they came upon a clearing in the middle of nowhere. And it was like a hole through the top of the jungle and the moon was just shooting straight through and it just shone on these sugarcane stalks and they like ripped those sugar canes and they were just like drinking as much sugarcane water out of there as they could and he said that he felt like he had had a gallon of water it just was like so satisfying and literally they started hearing this noise and my dad would always tell this story like when he was preaching at churches or whatever and he would act it all out and it was, he was like and suddenly we would hear oh oh and he starts making all these noises and everyone's just loving it eating up and um, essentially like the chief of the village knew that there were men coming and they didn't have phones they didn't have I mean there was no, no. way for them yeah. to know and he said I just felt like I heard this voice that men were coming and I went into the jungle to find you and here you are. And it was literally the chief they were looking for and it was the village they were looking for. And so these things, these kinds of things would happen all the time. And then there was one time where they showed up to a village, nobody knew they were coming and the whole village had prepared a feast for them because they knew they were like, I think they said something like in their language, it would be like a voice from the sky told us you were coming because they didn't have the same language as us. Like, yeah. There was no Bible written in their language. They don't have the same concepts that we do. So a voice, quote unquote, from the sky, we would call God or whatever. We're like, yeah, the voice from the sky told us you are coming. So we made you this feast. And my dad's like looking behind him. He's like, for for me? Like what? (laughs) So these kinds of things would happen all the time. There was this one, and this is like the culmination moment, (laughs) the story you wanted me to tell. So there was this one village where they had brought in supplies, medicine, and they were sharing with them just, you know, all the parts of their faith and the things that they believed. And 
way to live in community because they had a lot of warring tribes and they were very, there was some violence happening in the region. And so they're sharing the gospel of peace. You know, they're, they're really trying yeah. to like share their hearts. And um, the chief of that village was just eating it up. He was receiving all of it. He's like, this is just such a new way to live. We want to live like this. And he is just soaking it all up. And he gets word that his dad has died and that he needs to go bury his father because the tradition is that the oldest son needs to bury the father. And he says, no, I don't want to go. I want to stay here and continue to learn from these men. And my dad's like, bro, like you got to go like this. He, they're not going to bury him until you get there. And it's like a journey to get there. And so they're really trying to convince him to go. And he said, well, you just told me the story of Jesus, where Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead, come and follow me. And my dad's like, I know I just said that, <laughs> but I need you to go <laughs> do this. <laughs> so ignore that what is I'm- Jesus and my name's Bob. <laughs> my name's Bob and I'm telling you to go do this because your tradition says this. My dad was yeah. always very respectful of the traditions of the different communities that he went into. He never mm -hmm. tried to like turn them into somebody mm -hmm. else or force them to adopt some kind of Americanized religion. Like right. he was very passionate about that. And so very ahead of his time in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So finally they convinced this guy to go bury his father and they're praying over his journey. And in a lot of ways, as adventurous as my dad was, Dr. Neil, who we have mentioned, He's adventurous, but he's also like crazy. <laughs> and he will tell you that. Like he he knows he is. So they're praying over his journey, safety. It's a it's a very dangerous journey. And Dr. Neil says in the prayer, Well, Lord, you could just raise him from the dead. My dad's like, do not translate that. Because they travel he always traveled with a doctor and a translator. Yeah. So they had two translators. Yeah. Because they they speak a very different dialect called Aguaruna. It's not even stemmed from Spanish. But he he like he's like, do not translate that because in this culture, like your word mm -hmm. is very important and it is the death penalty for lying because their history is passed down orally. There it, it's just it's extremely important what you say. So he's thinking to himself, oh Neil's gonna casually say this thing about God raising this guy from the dead. They're gonna translate it and then they're gonna kill us because it's not gonna happen. Mm -hmm. So that's what he's thinking, right? <laughs> Well, he literally hears like a little bit of a scolding from yeah. I was like, the, the Lord, Lord clapped back. Yeah, the Lord <laughs> clapped back. And my dad often heard the voice of God audibly. Not often, but there was a few times in his life where he felt like he legitimately heard the voice of God. And this was one of those times. And he heard God say, you don't think I can do it? Like challenging him a little bit. And he was like, well, Lord, I know you can do it. Like, I believe the Bible when it says that these things happen and you raise Jairus's daughter and you raise obviously like a Jesus. And Lazarus. And Lazarus. Adam to the list. Right. But I just didn't think you were going to do that now. Yeah. And he just like kind of heard the Lord say like, you don't think I can do it. Mm. And so... Long story short, because it could go on for another four podcasts, your first four part series. <laughs> Essentially, if we were telling this in like a movie form, right, we would jump over to Tomas's perspective because that's the, the mm -hmm. chief who had died. And what had happened was he was in his coffee field and he got bit by the Comer snake, which they call the two step. And it's so poisonous that you get bit, you take two steps, you die. So he got bit 
and they took him back to his uh, village and he handed everything over to his sub chief and he died. And a lot of people are like, oh, did he really die or was he unconscious? Like they didn't have medical equipment to know if he was dead and did he come back to life? He was very much dead. His skin was rotting off the bone Mm -hmm. because he was in the heat of the jungle, not in any kind of refrigeration Mm -hmm. or anything. And without getting into detail, like you lay outside in the jungle for three days, like you're going to start to decompose. And wasn't the journey to his son like three days? I think so. I remember your dad saying that. It was yeah. a three-day journey. So he'd been dead for three days by the yes, time... by the time he got your there. Your dad even knew by the time they prayed. Something like that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> these these <laughs> these kinds of details. I'd have to go back and look at... Like, he did write it all down. So yeah. I need to, like, go back and look. Um, which I'm really glad I told him to do that. Me too. Because I was just thinking, like, before you get too senile, we need to get all this stuff written down. Yeah. So essentially, he dies. And... Surprise, surprise, comes back to life. So that's the end of the story. (laughs) Spoiler. Um, Spoiler. And comes back and tells the story of what has happened to him. And so essentially he was taken to a place. And like I said, they did not have any kind of language that we would have in sort of like Judeo-Christian, you know, world. So he went to a place that they, in our language, a place called heaven and um, he saw these beings that they looked like men, but they weren't men, and he he knew they weren't men, and they all had long hair and six wings, and they brought him to a man, and the man introduced himself as Jesu Cristo or Jesus Christ, and he said, you have come to a place called heaven, and he said that the beings with the wings came and got him and took him to wash him in the living water. And he said, I don't know how to describe it other than it was water and it was literally alive. And kind of hearing someone with no context and no vocabulary for these things describe Mm -hmm. something like the living water is really like so incredible. Things that are verbatim like, in scripture. Yeah. In but said in such a different way that yes. you would never yeah. like, water that was alive, alive. Yeah. you know, instead of the living water, quote unquote, mm-hmm. right? Like the NIV translation, <laughs> right? We got It's like not NIV. No. It's a different, it's a different version. Yeah. And so he describes all these really like incredible things. And so they, he said, they, they washed me in the water that was alive and they dressed me in white clothing and they brought me back Jesus Christo. And he said to me, I have changed my mind and I'm sending you back. And I have sent men that will give you the rest of the message. And then he shares, he's telling my dad the story and he's like, so give me the rest of the message. And my dad's like, what? <laughs> Freaking out. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? And he's like, I don't have anything else to teach yeah, you. Like, like, bro, you. You have, have the message. Me now. Exactly. You saw Jesus face to face. Exactly. And um, what was crazy about his skin is this man was 80 years old. And when my dad met him, it was like his skin was baby skin. It was new skin, but there was scarring where his skin had rotted and where he had come back together. So there was a remnant of the miracle, but it was like an entirely new skin. And so my dad is like borderline freaking <laughs> out. He's like, and Dr. Neil's just over there, like, Did so cocky. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
<laughs> told you so. And my dad is just freaking out. And, yeah. and you know, that's, these are the kinds of things I was raised with. Like, I saw a lot of this stuff. So I can even say like, you know. Like the foot. Tell them about the foot. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was, you know, this is the time of my life where I actually didn't believe in God and I was pretending because it was easier and I didn't want to get in fights with my parents. And so I was just like on all these trips and, you know, like pretending. How old were you? Um, I think I was middle or early high school okay. at this point. And um, I love that. This is when I was pretending. Yes, pretending. I wouldn't say I was like full on atheist. I was probably somewhere like agnostic-ish between mm -hmm. agnostic and atheist because um, I had like seen too much to fully say there is no God or there is no higher power. Like I had just seen too much, but I was so disillusioned. I had so much church trauma and just like all the stuff, you know, and I really hadn't had a lot of my own experiences at that time. I was kind of living off the stories of my parents. And so there's this one time where this girl's foot was turned around and my dad was like, Daniela, come pray for her. I was like, for the love of God. Was it broken or was it, she it, was born like that? It was, she was born. Oh, wow. Like that. And so he's like, Daniela, come pray for her. I'm like, Sigh. so I go up there and I'm just like standing up there and I'm so embarrassed and I'm so mad. I'm like, why am I here? I'm so disillusioned. And this, he puts the foot in my hand. I'm like, oh my God, so dramatic. <laughs> and then literally like everyone's gathering around praying and her foot like turned around in my hand. And I was like, and that is a moment I will never forget. And truly like, I think that's even why my deconstruction in my twenties, it never went down like farther than the existence of a loving God because I had seen those things. And so there, you really can't come back from that. So sometimes I zoom out and look at my life. I'm like, what is my life? <laughs> like, I don't, I ended up in the music industry. I'm like, what am I doing? How did I get here? Like, now you're the head of a missions organization somehow, that you inherited like, and you're crushing yeah. it. I don't think I'm crushing it. I yes, need some help. Are. If anyone wants to come work <laughs> for me for free. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> come on out. Internships yeah. available. Yep, love it. We're hiring. Um, <laughs> Maybe I'll come out of retirement and come back. Work for honestly, if you want to, please, because it's it's a lot. <laughs> well, and the, the reason why the board voted me is because the way that my dad lived was so relational. Like he didn't yeah. have any kind of like systems in place, which I'm sure you've learned about him so far. Like this seven <laughs> adventurous jungle guy, like. No, he doesn't have a spreadsheet anywhere. Like, of course he has no spreadsheets. I don't know anything about how to do the things. But because I grew up in it and because I did actually work for his organization alongside Kaylee for many years and I ran the organization, I booked all the travel. And so yeah. I, I have a lot of his same contacts and relationships, yeah. but nobody else does because he didn't set it up to be handed off to anyone. Mm. So here I am. I'm like, well... Yes, I do know his partner in Ukraine. And yes, we can transfer $10,000 today to them to give them food for their community. And I actually think with when everything started happening in Ukraine, it was kind of a moment for me to realize I did have a place in all this because our friends in Ukraine were actually my friends that I've known for a decade or 15 years, actually. So the fact that the first sort of tragedy that happened post his death was something that I actually could act on and act really quickly because these relationships are vetted and by not only my dad but but me personally and I have their phone numbers and you know I can text them and be like how what's the best way to get you money and supplies like so you know I'm filling that gap as best as I I can um, but I am still really praying about just the future of it all and I have always felt passionate about the gap between 
people mm-hmm. and lessening that gap and groups of people that there's, there's a lot of people of, of means who would love to give directly to solve problems. Mm-hmm. And our targets are really small, but the small target means high impact. So, you know, if we can help 500 families in Ukraine have food and supplies, that's something, you yeah. know, so we're not the Red Cross. We can't come in and do all these big things or, you know, international justice mission or whatever it's, but we, we have communities that we can help. So I'm definitely trying to keep that from falling to the ground, but it it is definitely, we won't let, we won't let it. Right. The squad will rally. I was like, I guess eventually I need to do some kind of like fundraising dinner. I'm like, I need to do, we have to raise money to do this stuff. I'm like, how do I, I guess I'll, figure out how to do this. I guess a lot of artists have nonprofits. I just need to probably like sit down with a yeah. couple of friends who also have these side things to be like, how do you balance everything? Because mm-hmm. it's a lot right now. Yeah, exactly. Taking one last quick break because I have a new favorite hair product. So of course I'm going to tell you about it. A good hair day is just the best. I feel like some days it doesn't even matter what you're wearing. If you have a good hair day, it's a great day. But everybody's hair is completely unique. So we need products that address our specific needs so that we're having a great hair day every day. And that is why I love Function of Beauty. Function of Beauty is the world's first fully customizable hair care that creates individually filled shampoos, conditioners, styling, and treatment formulas based on the needs of your hair. Each product is individually designed to be as unique as you are. Function of Beauty has over 54 trillion possible formulations. Every one of them is vegan, cruelty-free, and they've never used sulfates or parabens. You can also go completely silicone-free if that's what you choose. Here's how it works. First, take a hair quiz online, which is super fun to do, and build your hair profile and select five hair goals, like lengthen, strengthen, and color protection were the ones that I chose. Does your hair change as the seasons change? Function formulations are meant to be changed when your hair needs a change. So I added anti-frizz for these humid summer months. Next, choose your color and fragrance, or go dye and fragrance-free. Then get your freshly filled formula delivered straight to your door and get excited about good hair days ahead. Say goodbye to generic hair care for good today. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash CWK to take your hair goals quiz and you'll save 25% on your first order. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash CWK to let them know you heard about it from our show to get your 25% off your first order. That's functionofbeauty.com slash CWK to take your hair quiz and save 25% on your first order. Now back to Daniela. Well, I, I think a lot about I want to start doing some sort of like dollar dare or something. That's like if every one of Russ and my followers gave a dollar. It's mm-hmm. a lot of money. <laughs> combined, yeah. That's like $500,000 to something. Yeah. You know, and it's not asking too much of someone. You know, it's like right. just a dollar yeah. in multitudes can change a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And we've honestly been really picky about what we promote because right, of we- course. We know that there can be corruption in places mm-hmm. and we're aware and we don't, unless we really know the people personally, you won't yeah. hear us promote different organizations because yeah. it's a shady world out there, mm-hmm. you know, but like I've seen behind the curtain. I worked behind this curtain, <laughs> right? you know, it's the real deal. And like very scrappy back there behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we, we went everywhere together. Mm-hmm. Like we were in Guatemala, we were in Africa, we were in Israel, Ireland, Scotland, mm-hmm. As well as domestic, because the nature of it was a lot of disaster relief. It's kind of like where disaster strikes, we will be there. Mm -hmm. So after the earthquake in Haiti, we were there because surprise, surprise, my dad has a, you know, a partner in Haiti. 
And so, you know, as much as it's sort of a non-traditional organization, because my parents were in ministry for so long and they have partners and friends in over 50 countries, it really is a way. I feel like every time something happens, especially these days, it feels like there's something happening every other week. You always are like, what should I do? Like how mm-hmm. I feel so helpless. Like, how can I help? Yeah. And you're giving to these organizations, but you really don't know where it's going. And there's a lot of wonderful, reputable yes. organizations you can give to. But, you know, I think the the void that my parents really filled was this sort of smaller operation that's just going right to the mm-hmm. heart. Okay, this orphanage in Haiti, after the earthquake, they're care flighting kids mm-hmm. out of Port-au-Prince who have had legs amputated, arms amputated. That was what we did in Haiti. We were like, well, we can pay for every kid who needs to be care flighted out of Port-au-Prince. So that's what we did. And, and saved then, their lives. Yeah. Yeah. And that was our little piece of mm-hmm. what needed to happen. It's one problem we could solve. And then, you know, soon after we started to realize that the care workers in the orphanage were just so exhausted because they were working 24 seven. They had more kids coming in every week. So then we brought a team to relieve them for a week. We're like, what would be helpful for you? They were like rest. Mm. So we came in and we played with the kiddos. We watched the kids 24 seven. They had set up sort of like a triage situation in the church and they had all the bunk beds in there. And we were all in the, in the bunk beds with the kids, like, you know, just staying up watching them. Cause a lot of them were having night terrors and, you know, things just kind of ready to help yeah, feed or comfort or so that's really what the organization did. And I, I grew up in, and I really think there's a, a place for that still maybe more than ever. So I'm still figuring out like how to grow it, make it better. Even Chris was giving me a hard time. He's like, calls me Madam President now. <laughs> and he's like, man, first day on the job, you set up a website and online giving. And I was like, Crushing wow. it, Madam President. Crushing Does he literally it. still have just people sending checks? Like yeah. that's, I was like, we're not going to do checks anymore. We're going to have an online banking option because that's how I operate, right? <laughs> right, right. So I'm home, kind of dragging it into the 21st century little by little while still being a musician and a creative. And because I, I really don't feel led to Give those things up. Right. No. Um, and your dad would never let you, by yeah, the way. Yeah, he would. So I won't let you. Thank you. Yeah, I did have kind of a, a conversation with my, my pastor. I was like, if I'm supposed to quit everything and do this, I will. And she was like, no, Daniela, like, <laughs> you're fine. Like, keep doing what you're doing. Like, yeah. God will make way. He'll bring you the people. We can help you. And so little by little, we are able to kind of fill those gaps and I have a a passion specifically for like domestic things as well. Just people in our community that our government is failing and we can fill those gaps. And so it's, it's evolving. We'll see. (laughs) Well, if you want to take the dollar dare here, folks, you can cruise on over to Missions International, right? Yeah, yeah. you can actually. Missions International, don't worry. There's a button. There's I a put button. it there. <laughs> you built the, the give button is there. <laughs> but do they write in a memo? I can't remember. It does it say what they want it to go towards? Can it, yeah. or can it just go to the organization in general? So there's a drop down menu. Okay. Also put that there. <laughs> so proud of myself. And there's a general fund, which would just go to like keeping missions international going and it also will fill our tanks up so that when the next thing happens we can immediately act. Yeah. And then there's also a specific Ukraine fund. So if you really want to give towards the Ukraine, you can. And if you follow me on Instagram, I post a lot of like receipts. Like 
I'm just kind of that person. I'll just screenshot the transfer and be like, yeah. we did this today. Yeah, today we um, did this. Yeah, And I'll screenshot like this is how much came in. Mm-hmm. And or then, the text from the people being totally, like, this yeah. is what we need and this is how you can help. Yeah, I'm and, very, very, I really believe in transparency. So it can just be so daunting. Like there's so mm-hmm. many issues and what do you give towards and what right. do you not? And what's loving your neighbor and what's right. taking care of the rest of the world? Because obviously like God tells us to go into all the world, mm-hmm. but he also says, love our neighbor. Yeah. And there's, it's, I guess it's yes and. Yeah. And for us, I think, you know, the board is really kind there. I had my uh, first board meeting and it's a lot of older men and they were like, <laughs> so we think you're going to probably want some women on the board. I was like, yep. Thank yep. you. I love it. Yes. I would, and he's like, maybe some people your age. I was like, maybe, maybe. maybe. Good. But also like, I love the wisdom too. Like well, there were a lot of my dad's friends for a long time. And so, but we were kind of talking about the future. And I think something for me is I just, I'm, I just look at our relationships. I'm not going to force anything. It's like, well, that happened. This terrible thing is ongoing in the Ukraine. We have friends there. We can transfer money. Let's do it. But I'm not going to just, you know, anything that happens at any time, try to fill some void that isn't naturally there. It's like if there are relationships, if we have vetted people on the ground that we can get funds and supplies to, we will do it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of how I'm starting out is like if the relationship is there, we'll do it. Yeah. If it's not, that's not in our wheelhouse right now. Yeah. And that's good. Yeah. Knowing what you can and can't, I think that is the healthiest place to be Mm -hmm. because I think I wouldn't trust an organization that's like, we can do all things for everything. For all people. Yeah. We're not. Then things are falling through the cracks. And, you know, I'm just very proud of you, Madam President. (sighs) Thank you. I'm very proud of (laughs) you. It's like the first time I've talked about it publicly. I'm like, you know, it's it's daunting and there's very big shoes to fill. But I definitely don't think it's supposed to pass away so yeah it will live on yeah okay before we go this is a very big question oh but I think you can handle it okay <laughs> no you just said earlier like even at the base of your deconstruction you believed in a loving God yeah so on the other side of what you've been through because I think a lot of people who go through tragedy and loss mm-hmm. the first thing to go is God cannot be loving mm. and especially like it's even layered beyond that because you also are so intertwined with the needs of the world where mm-hmm. things like what happened in Port-au-Prince is also not fair. Right. Like there's just a lot of things that you could look at and be like, well, God is not real. And if he is, he's not loving. Yeah. How do you reconcile those things like in your own life? I think we live in a world that is very broken And I do believe in free will. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of things that happen are our fault. Mm. And I also believe that we have been given the tools to be healers of the world. So I'm more of the belief that I blame myself and I also feel empowered towards solutions in my world. So I think a lot of things are on us. Mm. I think God, it's like you get a toy for Christmas and the instructions are there. We have the instructions Mm -hmm. to heal this world. And I see God moving in so many small ways. I'm just a person that I just take responsibility. So I'm like, what can I do to make the world better? And I think a lot of the things I've seen in the the hard places I've been, like Haiti after the earthquake, Mexico after 
the Zabatista revolution, that's where we started, was I often felt and saw God weeping with us. And so, you know, he gave us this world. He gave us the instructions in many ways. We have made the wrong choices and we kill each other and we hate each other and we don't operate in generosity and we do all these things. But, you know, at any point we can act differently and he's told us how to do it. Mm -hmm. And so I think I, I more so see my own responsibility and I see that God has given me means to do something and he's given me gifts and he gives those gifts without repentance. Mm. And I see those gifts as tools and instructions. So how am I going to operate? How am I going to be salt and light in this world? And so I think that's probably not the answer everyone would give, but mm. I just, that's how I see it. But when it's things like your parents, right. That you don't have responsibility for. Right. That yeah, more personal, yeah. less less like earthquakes and wars. Yeah, well, both. I mean, I asked you about both. <laughs> yeah, so. so that's the earthquakes and wars. Yeah, and the you know poverty and things that we do as a society that need to change. Yeah, there's those things. And then you know when it comes to tragedy, in the personal ways, I think I just, I'm just really grateful that we're gonna all be together in the end, mm. and that's what I focus on, like. He's made a way for me to be with my dad and my mom again. And that that side is going to be so much longer than my time here. It doesn't make anything less sad or hard. But I think at this point in my life, I would not have said that, you know, years ago. But now I'm just grateful that I will see them again. And I believe that. That is a pillar of my faith. And that to me is the ultimate goodness it's him working all things together for my good mm. and good is not temporary you know my time on earth is temporary but the eternity that he offers me is not and that is in the end truly working all things together for good yeah ever since losing your dad I've been obsessed with legacy mm -hmm. and just even like I was uncontrollably weeping on Easter you saw me I was with you <laughs> Turned around, I was like, wow, Kaylee's really having a moment. <laughs> She's sitting she was, down. She had to sit down. <laughs> She's sitting down. Well, because your brother was on stage singing and he looked exactly like your dad. Mm -hmm. And watching him. They have the same waddle. Same. I mean, so alike. And I just couldn't. I, I had to stop. I had to put Russ's head in front of Christian. Like, I couldn't even look at him. Mm. And the fact that, yes, he's in eternity is the greatest gift of all. But also that he still lives on here. Yeah. Like in you, like his yeah. genetics. He has left a lot. Legacy. Behind. Yeah. It carries, it carries through you and watching you, you've always been, you're not like your dad, but you are all at the same time. Like just your ruthless pursuit of like the things that are supernatural. You've always been like that. Mm. You've always ushered that into our friend group, built our faith. When we didn't believe in these miracles, I was like, yeah, right. Just bulldozing. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, I think they're telling the truth. And mm. then I started to see some of it. And I was like, mm. oh, they're serious. Mm -hmm. And there's like more to God than this box that I put him in. And there's more that than meets the eye. Like this, they're just bigger things at play. There's yeah. bigger... 
there's always something going on behind, like underneath the surface. Mm -hmm. And I think that in everyday life, and I always pray for that wisdom, like God show me, like when someone's being, you know, rude or difficult to deal with, like my instinct is to be like, clap back. (laughs) I'm like, Lord, what are they dealing with? Yeah. What's happening behind? What's the root here? Yeah. What's the root? And so often, like, I'll be able to sense, like, what's going on. And, you know, I think we we can look at that from the higher we can climb to see things from a, a different vantage point and perspective, the more we'll be able to see and understand. And it's easy to get lost in our own situation and our own perspective and be really close to the ground and only see what's going wrong in our lives and only see the loss and only see. But when you climb up a little bit higher and you get a different vantage point, you can see how it's all working together. Mm -hmm. And all the ways that loss has changed me and grown me, like I, it's a really weird thing to say, but I wouldn't trade necessarily what I've been through because my my view of life and the way that I cherish people. Yeah. Like how hard I love. Yeah. All like I can what attest. I would do for my people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is because of what I've lost. And so it's such a weird thing to think both things. Like obviously do I wish both my parents were here? Yes. Yeah. And I would do so much to bring them back. Yeah. But the things they've left me It just, it reminds me that there are things always at play. There are things that are more important, like the petty stuff, it falls away. Having a heavenly tether, a perspective of eternity, just, it just changes everything. And I am grateful. Yeah. Well, I'm grateful that your parents gave me you. Mm. I don't even want to know where I would be in this world without you. <laughs> I like didn't believe in God right when I met you. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, this can't be real. I'm the only, I don't know another Christian. How do I not know another Christian? Yeah. And then I met you. Yeah. And the trajectory of my life changed. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so grateful. I'll cry thinking about it, talking about it. It's fine. We'll go. Let's go make dinner or something. <laughs> love you, Kales. I gotta I go you. see you at church, but. <laughs> I love you so much. I love I'm you. I'm very proud of you. We got to talk about our coffee. Oh, my God. Kaylee. I'm glad I told you. So you remember. <laughs> I brought you coffee for our coffee with Kaylee. <laughs> that is true. You did. Usually I'm like, can I make you guys coffee? What do you want? Are we drinking the same thing? No. Well, I'm drinking a regular latte. You're drinking an oat milk latte. Oh. Well, you answered my question. What, how do you take your coffee? Well, I either do black. Mm-hmm. I usually do like a cup of hot coffee in the morning black. Yep. One or two. Or over. Two. Pour over. Typically made by Christopher. Yeah, or me. I'm getting better at it. <laughs> I'm proud of you. And then in the afternoon, I do like an ice latte in the summer or a hot latte in the winter months. You know what I just bought? I just bought a coffee-flavored protein shake. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I'll report on this later. I don't. But I was like, in the afternoon, Is that this could supposed be... to be an ad because I'm no, ruining it? <laughs> no, no, it's not. This is organic. No, I, I just, I'll try it. I'll report back. Okay, I was like, keep as, instead of an afternoon snack <laughs> mm-hmm. and latte, you were not buying this. I was like, maybe I'll just try it. Maybe well, like be Sky okay. pointed out, you're always on some new thing. And I don't always. know that I'll be getting on the coffee protein. Well, I'll give you one to go train. on your okay. way to sing at church. And you can report back. <laughs> I'll report back. Uh, I love y'all. Thank you for joining us today. This is Thanks extra for special me. for me. I Do your fans you. have a name? I mean, coffee with Kayleers. I don't Kay- know. <laughs> the caffeinated. The <gasps> Kaylinated. We'll, we'll come we'll up with a better one. <laughs>
But love y'all. We love you. Thanks for joining us. They need to name us. themselves. That's what my, my fans yeah. name themselves. So come up with a name for, your, for yeah, yourselves. There you go. Report back in the comments. Oh, thanks for being here. Next week, we have my friend and fellow country wife, Lauren Lane. She and her husband just made a very fun and exciting announcement, and we're going to talk all about it. Join us next week to have coffee with me and Lauren.